Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Hey, Pear fans. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. If you like listening to beautiful voices like ours instead of reading words, then head on over to Audible where you get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash Paratruth where you can choose from over 180,000 titles for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to Paratruth Radio, the Christmas edition. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. As you guys can see, the elusive Eric Cryptid is back in town this week. Yep. So well, uh, we, welcome back, my friend. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You know, we cryptids, we have to hide out every once in a while, especially when those uh, cryptid hunters start coming around this time of year. So <laughs> the, I had to the take Yeti a hunters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, folks, it is December. Jeez, December already. Time is flying. Before you know it, the year's going to be up and we're going to be jumping in 2018 and a whole new crazy Coretta stuff is going to start happening on the news and on televisions, and we're going to have a whole bunch more stuff to talk about on Paratruth Radio, of course. Um, but as I said, it's December, which means one thing. Everybody knows what it is. Christmas. Yeah. We all love Christmas. And for those of you who don't, well, that's why you can watch The Grinch. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, I've, I've had to tell several people because us in the post office start to dislike Christmas. And I'm like, I don't dislike Christmas. I just like the commercialism of Christmas <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I mean, I kind of already have, but, but. Right. And that's actually something problems. we're going to get into later in the show here, the commercialism of Christmas. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, Justin and I wanted to do something very special this month, not just tonight, but the whole month. Uh, I think we were looking at three episodes, uh, through the month of December. And it's going to just be celebrated as our Christmas month. Uh, everything Christmas for the next three episodes. The last one will, of course, be a, a mix between Christmas and New Year's and really uh, driving home the end of the year and bringing in the new year with all of you guys. Uh, so it's going to be fun, fun couple of weeks coming up here. Are you excited for this Christmas, Justin? Are you, are you ready to go? Um, I'm excited for every Christmas and every New Year's, but... Usually for New Year's, I end up falling asleep at around 10, so I don't technically <laughs> bring in the New oh, Year. But... There has not been a time in my life where I've fallen asleep by 10 <laughs> on New Year's. In fact, I'd be surprised if I fell asleep before 3. But <laughs> I guess that's just to show how different we are. <laughs> it's been It's been a couple of years since I've actually stayed up. Except for like if I've been in Ohio, we've stayed up, but, um, so it, it, I guess that's just not that exciting of a a year or a holiday anymore, mostly because too, in central time, you're really not seeing it in real time, the, the ball drop, so to speak. So, oh yeah, yeah. Did you guys actually tune in for the New York ball drop? We, we watched some of it. Yeah. But. We never get to where, cause they'll cut to a commercial at like, um, at like 10 or, or something like that and come back at midnight after it's dropped yeah. for you guys. Right. Yeah. That sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> that really does. Well, you know, and the other thing is we don't have the big family parties like we used to when we were kids. You know, we used to have everybody over and yeah. just be. Partying and doing wrestling moves on each other, breaking each other's necks over and over again every <laughs> Grandpa yelling at us because we're wrestling yeah. in the... <laughs> <laughs> How did you bring in the new year? Well, I broke my cousin's neck. <laughs> hey, that's a good way to go. <laughs> oh, man. Nonetheless, I, I know we don't want to keep this going too long because our fans are looking forward to today's episode. Yep. So, so ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages... For those of you listening at Fringe Radio Network, Paranormal UK Radio Network, TMV Cafe, and ParatruthRadio.com, 
Let's get ready to expose some lies. It's that time of year again when kids suddenly begin to behave. Not because of sudden maturity, but instead due to the not-so-mysterious man who'll be visiting everyone's home Christmas Eve night. Today, we open our Christmas season of Paratruth Radio with none other than Santa Claus and his little helpers. So Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, Shinterclaus, you name it, he's got a number of them. He exists all around the world, and on Christmas Eve night, he comes to all little good girls and boys, and occasionally the bad ones too, to leave certain gifts. Of course, the bad ones don't get such a good gift. But nonetheless... Depending on the lore that you look at. Depending on the lore (laughs) that you look at. Nonetheless, this man has been around for quite a long time, but he hasn't always been this holly jolly, dressed in red, flying reindeer type of guy that we know today. In fact, the legend stands back hundreds of years to a monk by the name of St. Nicholas. Uh, this was a Christian monk, and it is believed that Nicholas was born sometime around 280 AD in Pantara, near Mera, in modern-day Turkey. Now, much admired for his kindness, St. Nicholas became the subject of many legends, naturally. Uh, it, it was said that he gave away all of his inherited wealth uh, and traveled the countryside helping the poor and the sick. Now, one of the best known of the St. Nicholas stories is that he saved three poor sisters from being sold into slavery or prostitution, depending on which one, uh, which story you're reading, uh, by their father by providing them with a dowry so that they could be married. Now, of course, over many years, Nicholas's popularity spread and he became known as the protector of children and sailors, which is actually news to me. I didn't, I've never heard of him being a protector of sailors. Uh, but nonetheless, his feast day was celebrated uh, on the anniversary of his death, which is actually December 6th. Now, this was traditionally considered a very lucky day to make large purchases or even to get married. And by the Renaissance, uh, St. Nicholas was the most popular saint in Europe, and even after the Protestant Reformation. When the veneration of saints began to be discouraged, St. Nicholas then maintained a positive reputation, especially in Holland. So we can see that throughout the course of several years at least, his name began to spread as this kind, happy person who's always thinking positively, always helping children and adults as well. You know, it's not just children. He helped everyone. Uh, and he built this reputation. And there are stories of him, you know, sometimes getting a little upset. There, there's actually a story of him uh, in a bar once when – he heard a couple of guys discussing religion. Uh, they're discussing Christianity and paganism. And he actually got so tempered once upon a time. And I don't know if this is a true story, but this is a story that I read and that I heard. Uh, he ended up turning around and clocking one of the guys in the face because they kept putting down the Christ. Uh, now, whether or not that's true or not, I don't know. But if it is, that gives us kind of a Bad Mama Jama side say Santa, of Santa Claus. Santa Claus no. the badass, not better, Santa Claus. Better leave those cookies and that milk out for him, because otherwise he's going MMA on you. But uh <laughs> I could just see him swing because most bishops have like that staff, and him mm-hmm. swinging that staff at somebody to clock him in the face because they're down downing uh Jesus Christ. <laughs> Pretty funny though, like, cause as, as we, you were saying, I mean, he's known for his kindness, but yeah, right. he gets into bar fights. <laughs> right. But you know what? It's interesting though, because, uh, when, when we look at the story of Jesus, you know, and how kind he is and how loving he is, uh, and, and when he was here on earth, I say he is, but when we're talking about back when he was growing up, you know, before his death, you know, I, I guess you could say he was, you know, at that point in his human form, but, there was a time that despite how much love he had and how much grace and mercy towards other people, uh, how much he f- helped the poor, he fed them, gave them money, et cetera, et cetera, there was a point where he walked into the temple of God and saw people selling stuff. They were doing things that were more or less dishonoring to the Lord. And this this person in Jesus, who was this kind, great person, the name known throughout the land, started flipping over tables and throwing things and just, you know, off his rails, it would seem. 
No, and but but it's but for Jesus it was like this righteous anger because it was in his father's temple. Uh and who knows if this was necessarily I wouldn't necessarily consider this a righteous anger on Saint Nicholas's part because let's face it, you don't hit somebody for disagreeing with you. But <laughs> And he was in a bar, most likely drinking. <laughs> most likely. Uh but nonetheless an interesting story. And I thought it, I heard this a couple of years ago and I thought it'd be fun to share today. The one thing that is, is kind of fascinating as to why we get Santa Claus is actually the German pronunciation uh Sant or Santa Niklaus. And that's, that's the German pronunciation of his name. And that's where Santa Claus, that the pronunciation that we have today, um, comes from. The one thing that I found like super fascinating was that, uh, he was, he was imprisoned under Roman Emperor Diocletian in 303 AD, but freed by Emperor Constantine. And then he became Bishop of Mira. Um, and then, uh, was on the, Council or participated in the Council of uh, Nicaea in 325, and then died in 343. So he had a a pretty interesting history, other than being in bar fights and slapping people because they didn't like Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, did it mention why he was in jail necessarily? Like what he did to be placed there? Was it because of his faith? Was it because he hit somebody else that he shouldn't? <laughs> 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 uh, he was imprisoned during the great persecutions under the uh, okay, Roman Okay, so Emperor. there you go. That would be what it would be for his faith then. Yeah. Um, which makes sense because that goes in line with uh, what I mentioned earlier uh, uh, after the Protestant Reformation when the veneration of saints began to be discouraged. Yeah. He was still there saying, hey, it's okay. We're God's children. We're going to keep moving forward. And that's what he did. If I could go back and see who the real – Saint Nick was, you know, just it'd be really cool, wouldn't it? Like if you can go back in history and meet some people, you know, and I, I don't want to say just one person because he probably wouldn't be the one that I go meet. But <laughs> if you could meet several people, he'd be in my list of if, people to meet. Because if be we could time travel in in the physical, because I mean there are people that believe we can time travel uh, mentally. Um, I, Saint Nicholas would be up there. I w- I would love to meet Jesus Christ so that way we can finally say yes he is real or no he's not real because there's this whole debate with that um and a couple others like some of the the greatest minds Nikola Tesla and and Albert Einstein but yeah Saint Nick would be up there because I would just love to see his life before he became this big fat guy in a red suit right right well, now, <clears throat> of course, originally he was back, you know, he, St. Nicholas lived in modern day Turkey. But how is it that he showed up here in America? And how do we have this man who is flying around with eight tiny reindeer, nine, if you include Rudolph? Well, you just don't. answered your own Some question words. right there. He has eight magic reindeer that he flies around the world on. <laughs> <laughs> but did he have them before coming to America? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but, <laughs> but I guess the question is, how did St. Nicholas come to America? Obviously, St. Nicholas himself didn't, but his story did, and ultimately his legend did. Uh, St. Nicholas made his first inroads into America in popular, uh, popular culture, uh, towards the end of the 18th century, uh, approximately in December of 1773, and again in 1774. Uh, a New York newspaper reported that groups of Dutch families had gathered to honor the anniversary of his death again on December 6th, as I had mentioned earlier. Now, as Justin had said, the name Santa Claus evolved from Nick's Dutch nickname, which was Sinterklaas, a shortened form of St. Nicholas, which is, of course, Dutch for St. Nicholas. Now, in 1804, John Pintard, a member of the New York Historical Society, distributed woodcuts of St. Nicholas at the Society's annual meeting. The background of the engraving contains now familiar Santa images, including, can you guess what those images might be, Justin? Familiar Santa images? They're, they're familiar now. They're, they're things that are most usually associated with Santa and Christmas. Christmas trees? No. <laughs> Presents. But it's close. Yeah, I mean, 
It, it, yeah, presents. Uh, it included stockings filled with toys okay. and fruit hung over a fireplace, which I never heard of the fruit over a fireplace thing. I think they'd go rotten pretty quick. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. It's uh, it's something that I've heard of, but I there was like a specific fruit, and I can't remember what it was. Okay. okay. Well, anyway, in 1809, Washington Irving helped to popular helped to popularize the Sinterklaas stories when he referred to St. Nicholas as the patron saint of New York in his book. The history of New York. As his prominence grew, Sinterklaas was described as everything from a rascal with a blue three-cornered hat, red waistcoat, and yellow stockings to a man wearing a broad-brimmed hat and a huge pair of Flemish troncos. <sighs> I'm assuming that's where the red suit comes from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and that's actually something that you wanted to, to get into because the red suit be, didn't come popularized until after uh 1822 when Clement Clark Moore created a poem for his three daughters entitled An Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas, which today, modern time, is known as Twas the Night Before Christmas. Probably probably one of the greatest books, if not the greatest book, of Christmas Eve. I know it's, my father it, used to read it to us when we were kids all the time, Christmas Eve night. It's funny that it's twas the night before Christmas because the website I'm looking at says the night before Christmas. So they modernized. <laughs> they even modernized the name. I mean, every, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it really depends. Like I know when we had the book, I believe it was twas the night before Christmas. Right, yeah. Uh, we had a pop-up book. So every time you flip the page, you know, you'd have pop-ups. You'd have little uh, tabs that you can pull and see Santa coming down the chimney and stuff like that. Um but it was that poem that really described Santa as wearing red. Now, again, it was just a description. Um, the poem, which he, which the poem, which Moore uh, originally was relatively hesitant to publish due to the frivolous nature of its subject, is it, it really is the modern, like the, the responsible for its modern image of Santa. Right. The as the whole like jolly old elf guy who you know wears his bright red suit uh but it wasn't until a cartoonist in 1881 now this is what 20 30 40 50 60 70 80 60 years later 1881 a cartoonist a political cartoonist by the name of thomas nast drew on moore's poem to create the first likeness that matched the modern image of santa it's hard to believe it took 60 years for somebody to say, hey, let's drop an image of the Santa in Moore's poem. But nonetheless, in 1881, it happened. Uh, and his cartoon, which appeared in Harper's Weekly, depicted Santa as a rotund, cheerful man with a full white beard holding a sack laden with toys for lucky children, who are good, of course. And, of course, wearing the bright red suit trimmed with white fur. The North Pole workshop elves and his wife of course mrs claus uh so all that came together 60 years later in literally one cartoon um so really interesting stuff the one thing that i i like that kind of differs is when washington irving under diedrich knickerbocker wrote the history of new york he wrote up saint nicholas as a jolly personage smoking a dutch pipe Skimmed over the treetops in a wagon and dropped presents down the chimney. Now, just to add to the badassness that is Santa Claus, now he's smoking a pipe. <laughs> well, I mean, we've all seen Santa smoking a pipe in pictures or with uh, 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 like little statues and stuff like that. I know our, our grandmother actually has a, if I'm not mistaken, has a mechanical uh, version of oh, Santa. Yeah. I can't think of what the right word is here, but mechanical, like it moves. It's a mm. little statue thing that moves, but he has a pipe and he's going back and forth, putting the pipe in his mouth and taking it out of his mouth. And that's the movement that he does yeah. when, when he's plugged in. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I always thought of Santa as smoking. I still didn't think smoking was cool. Smoking's <laughs> not cool, guys. Don't the Santa doesn't do it anymore. He quit. <laughs> look at, look at the modern pictures. Yeah. <laughs> now he, he just drinks Coca Cola. <laughs> and I just drinks Coca-Cola with all the bears, the polar bears. <laughs> um, 
But I know uh, you want to get into elves soon, but there's something I want to cover here real quick, which is really cool because Santa, we know him as Santa Mm -hmm. here in America. And of course, the Dutch know him as Santa, but he goes by other names throughout the world. There are similar figures uh, that were popular all over the world for many, many, many years, even before Santa came to America. Uh, One particular name, Christkind or Chris Kringle, as many of us know him, was believed to deliver presents to well-behaved Swiss and German children. Now, the the meaning of Christkind is Christ child. Christkind is an angelic figure, often accompanied by St. Nicholas on his holiday missions. I've never actually heard of that one, an angelic figure accompanying him. Mm. Uh, in Scandinavia, a jolly elf named Yoltometen was thought to deliver gifts in a sleigh drawn by goats. That's an interesting one. English legend explains that Father Christmas visits each home on Christmas Eve to fill children, children's stockings with holiday treats, which is very similar to the American version, which makes sense considering the English and America, you know, we're very close. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, Pierre Noel is responsible for filling the shoes of French children. And in Russia, it is believed that an elderly woman by the name of Babushka purposely gave the wise men wrong directions to Bethlehem so that they couldn't find Jesus. Later, she felt remorseful but could not find the men to undo the damage. To this day, on January 5th, Babushka visits Russian children leaving gifts at their bedsides in hope that one of them is the baby Jesus. And she will be forgiven. In Italy, there is yet another similar story about a woman by the name of La Befana, a kindly witch who rides a broomstick down the chimneys of Italian homes to deliver toys into all the stockings of lucky children. A witch. A witch, I know. Did you notice how vastly it, it, it didn't vastly, but it slowly began to change from what we know here in America as Santa Claus to this witch who's taking broomsticks down chimneys. Which you it actually probably went the opposite direction when going through history. But, yeah, it, it's a little odd that it goes from a jolly fat guy in a red suit <laughs> to a witch, which, I mean, obviously today's uh society we think of witches as evil and whatnot, but this woman was obviously good in some sense because she right. was delivering doing kindness um right. it's it's just really odd and it almost makes you wonder like did we just mash all of this stuff together to create santa claus because like we talked about a long long time ago with with uh christianity uh a lot of the stuff with christmas in general has been created was created to entice pagans to come to christianity way back when um because that's why we have the christmas tree and a a couple of the other symbologies so it's just rather it's just interesting to see saint nicholas first and foremost fat guy red suit then he's beating up people in bars and smoking pipes and then we get to a witch that delivers Christmas presents. I mean, it's interesting, odd a little bit, but interesting. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, but that just goes to show the vast difference between our cultures, Mm -hmm. uh, in the world, you know, and there's nothing wrong with one or the other. You know, I mean, I don't believe in Santa Claus anymore. I did for a very long time, which naturally I think every kid should. I know I do. many many of our Christians, of course you do. <laughs> many of our Christian believers uh, or many of our Christian listeners, I'm sorry, uh, might argue against Santa. Uh, I know there has been backlash from the Christian community saying that we shouldn't allow our children to believe in Santa Claus, um, that he doesn't exist. They should believe in Jesus because so that they don't put Santa before Jesus, et cetera, et cetera. And I understand that. I fully respect that uh, as both a Christian and as just a human in general. Um, but nonetheless, I believed in Santa when I was a kid. I also believed in Jesus when I was a kid. Um, and of course, only one stuck in <laughs> Jesus. And of course, I believe in him even more now. Um, 
but you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with necessarily believing that this guy comes around once a year. You know, all we're doing is believing in a guy who brings toys. Jesus is believing in a man who literally gives us life, something way more important than a couple of toys that are going to rust out and, you know, wither away sometime right. down the road or get stolen. As some of my toys have been when I was a child, <laughs> scars. Or some of them so become possessed, scars. like when you were a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if uh, you guys don't know what we're talking about, go to past episodes. Eric has talked about it before. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, you know, the, Santa, he shows up in so many different cultures in so many different ways. And it's just amazing to me how this character seemed to just transcend uh, world history and what we believed about. St. Nicholas, you know, and just what St. Nicholas has done. Yeah. Uh, we think of a lot of famous people out there, but no one has to, like, no one can be nearly as famous as St. Nicholas, uh, when it comes down to today's history and what we celebrate. Uh, now, of course, obviously, the celebration of Christmas isn't the celebration of Santa Claus and toys and this and that. It's a celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. But nonetheless, it is now associated. Santa is now associated with Christmas. Um, and that really actually is interesting in and of itself because Santa, you know, just as there is God and the devil, go figure, Santa, the saint, also has his own demons, if you will, which is something we're not going to actually get into tonight. That's going to be saved for next week's episode. But of course, some of you know who we're talking about, and that is Krampus. Uh, Justin and I discussed whether or not we should bring up Krampus tonight, and I argued against it because I think there's a lot more to talk about with Krampus than what this sh- tonight's episode has time for. Yeah. Um, but also we have a few other things that we want to talk about next week, which I think is going to be a little more the scary side of Christmas. Uh, which so, is funny because you never think of a scary side for Christmas. Right. Now, you don't. Nowadays, anyways, in America. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, it's still interesting because this idea of Krampus, I'm going to actually just bring this up just a little bit here. Uh, the idea of Krampus is actually growing not only throughout the world, but throughout America in particular. This year in particularly, uh, there's something called, and you've heard of this, Justin, uh, I believe it's called the Krampus Parade. Yes. And there's one taking place in Orlando this year. First time ever. Interesting. And what I learned when doing the research on Krampus is that people are looking for a new modern way to celebrate Christmas. Obviously, people who are prefer to celebrate away from and outside of the Christian Christendom, you know, mm-hmm. away from Christ and away from Santa Claus, but give something a little more. And that is, of course, the anti-clause, which is kind of sad. And in fact, it's very sad. But, you know, we start to see something like Krampus, who's been given screen time, literally on the movie screen and in mm-hmm. television. He's been given a certain amount of uh, uh, publication on the web he is a pagan, de- uh, not deity, but the son of a pagan deity. He's something that pagans believe in and worship and whatnot. Um, and now he's starting to make his way into Christmas, which is very interesting to me. And that is something we can talk about next week because that's just crazy. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, one thing I know I'm talking a lot, Justin. I'm sorry, man. It's been so long <laughs> yeah, that I've been on. I'm just saying, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That's <laughs> just right. taking over the show. Just sit there, Justin. Relax. I'll take this one. I'll be the pretty <laughs> face that we don't have video for. <laughs> uh, um, one thing that we had mentioned, that you had mentioned in particular, is that Santa is known as this elf. Yeah. And one thing you were curious about is how this person in St. Nicholas uh, became an elf and whether or not he really is an elf or if he's just a man because photos and descriptions differ in so many ways. Uh, so I want to get your take on that. Give us some information, but we'll do that after this break. Yep. Uh, so, folks, just hang in there. We will be right back with more of Santa Claus and, of course, his little helpers, which we'll be getting into next. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, Parafans. Do I have a deal for you? The people over at Loot Crate are giving our listeners a 10% savings on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. 
Loot Crate is this awesome monthly mystery smorgasbord of a package that you get stuffed with different things from different genres, such as Zelda, Fallout, Harry Potter, and so many more. So to get your 10% savings, make sure you go to trylootcrate.com forward slash paratruth. Again, that's trylootcrate.com forward slash paratruth and enter bridge 10 to get 10% savings on any new subscription. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And as you guys have heard, we're talking about Santa Claus. Uh, we're going to start getting into Santa Claus as an elf, his helpers, the elves, and then we're going to finish it off with his magic reindeer. So first and foremost, the only thing that I came across, um, and maybe you found something different as far as why Santa Claus is referred to as a great jolly elf was actually twas the night before Christmas. The line 45 says he was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf. And that's all I really came across as to a reference to him as an elf. Did you come across anything else as him as an elf per se? No, not really. I mean, other than the photos, or I should say photos, but the pictures that I've seen, the artistic renderings of some of the older versions of Santa depict him as an elf having pointy ears. Uh, but beside that, no. When it comes to the, the, uh, towards the night before Christmas and just the story of Santa, I mean, I've always known him as just a man with some magical powers, you know. So very little in regards to why exactly he's depicted as an elf. I mean, maybe because of the whole magic thing, because if you think of a man, you don't think of somebody who can do as much magic, at least in today's day and age, um, compared to naming him something that was linked to magic because elves go way back in folklore and they are related to the fae or fairy people and they're all linked to magic as well um so it but it yeah it's kind of odd that he this that he came up with this one line and now we have this association with santa claus as an elf it's it's a little weird but um, that, that's the modern day depiction and that's all, the only depiction of him as an elf because of somebody putting a, a line in a poem. Mm-hmm. So going next step further, you know, elves originally were thought to be these taller people compared to fairies in today's day and age where they're these tiny little things that fly. And then we get Santa's elves where they're kind of in the middle somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the only thing that really links the elves to Santa Claus is a uh, piece of literature uh, around 1850 by uh, Louisa May Alcott, who completed it but never published it. So I don't know if somebody released it or something. Um, but the image of the elf in the workshop was popularized, popularized by Godey's Ladies Book with a front cover illustration for its 1873 Christmas issue showing Santa surrounded by toys and elves with caption. Here we have an idea of the preparation that preparations that are made to supply the young folks with toys at Christmas time. During the time Godey's was immensely influential to the birth of Christmas traditions. 
having shown the first widely circulated picture of a modern Christmas tree on the front cover of its 1850 Christmas issue. Additional recognition was given in Austin Thompson's 1876 work, The House of Santa Claus, A Christmas Fairy Show for Sunday Schools. Okay, that particular title is rather odd. A Christmas Fairy Show for Sunday Schools. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but well, <laughs> well. <laughs> and uh again the, then we get into the whole nicholas is an elf uh from towards the night before christmas um and contemporary pop culture today has just kind of rolled with it in plays and movies and some songs as well christmas songs um any anything else that you came across as far as the the elf lore for Santa Claus. As far as the elf lore for Santa Claus, uh, you know, not much. You know, we had talked about this a little bit earlier today uh, before we recording the show, and uh, <clears throat> you know, the whole idea of the elf is actually for Santa Claus. I mean, is actually very limited. There's not nearly as much information, and I think in part that's because uh, Santa really takes the place of the the Christmas tradition, you know, yeah. he, he's really the, the legend behind the myth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so the whole elf on the shelf th- or elf on a shelf too, but oh, we'll get into that in general, yeah. yeah, elves in general, uh, are relatively new. Uh, so Louisa May Elcott, you know, w- w- when she published that particular story on the elves, well, she I mean, didn't like publish said, it. She just completed oh, it. Well, she completed it, but whoever published it, regardless, you know, um, somebody eventually published it, and that's where these stories of the elves really came to and it came from. And from there, the rest is just left up to history. You know, people are going to c- continually add on to the story of Santa until now, but they did. Uh, there was a time where the whole idea of Santa was kind of in the in the uh, purgatory, if you will. You know, he, he was able to gain stuff, lose stuff, et cetera, et cetera, and that happened between the 1800s and uh, early 1900s before Santa really became a rock solid foundation for the story and the legend. You know, now when you try to add stuff to Santa, you try to take stuff away, it's not going to happen. People have a very strict idea of who Santa was and as to who these elves are and their roles. It's been cemented um, in our culture, yeah. Right. It's cemented in our culture now, and it's just the way it is. And so these elves have always been, and I believe always will continue to be, uh, simply Santa's helpers, the working in the workshop. You know, creating toys, helping him distribute toys. You know, there's been stories where an elf accompanies him on his trips around the world and that he'll help put the presents down so that Santa isn't, you know, let's face it. I mean, Santa's a little overweight. He gets tired fast. I'm sure he's, so you need he's someone getting up there in age too. nimble. Yeah. You know, you need someone small and nimble and able to do things quickly. The elf is the best way to go. <laughs> I'm, For seeing, those of you I'm saying like, like there, I am sorry if that sounds <laughs> offensive. And Santa's like what, a few thousand years old now? I mean, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> no. um, so, nonetheless, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't come across anything more than what you had just mentioned regarding the elf. There's not a ton of information out there. I'm sure there's something somewhere. Uh, it, it may not be historically accurate, but there may be some type of, uh, some type of myth out there that we haven't come across ourselves. Uh, but yeah, that's all I got, which is nothing. So, <laughs> but well, and if you guys did come across anything, feel free to contact us on it because that that's basically all that that we were able to come across. It's it. I would love to hear any other lore that anybody's come across. Right. What um, were you gonna say? But what? Oh, I was gonna say, but there is a, of course, certain elf that likes to sit on everybody's shelf. <laughs> And that is something that you wanted to bring up. <laughs> I, yeah, I wasn't sure if I should bring this up for this episode or the monster episode, just because <laughs> Elf on the Shelf has gotten this very bad reputation over the years. Um, just because people, it almost makes you wonder. Um, but Elf on the Shelf is actually super recent. I, I could have sworn my mom said, ha- she said she had an Elf on the Shelf when she was younger, but I, maybe I'm way off on that because 
According to what I found, this only came about in 2005. Right. And it was um, from a uh, popularized book from Carol Abersold and her daughter Shonda Bell called The Elf on the Shelf, A Christmas Tradition. Mm-hmm. And now uh, it's been super popularized. In the last decade, this elf has uh, collected numerous accolades, including Learning Express Best Toy Award in 2008, 2009 and 2010. Don't know how it got the best toy award in those three years, but um, for those of us that uh, were not children of the new millennium, the elf on the shelf phenomenon is still fairly new, but you can find photos of this watchful elf in all kinds of places and getting up to lots of mischief of his own because of the story, which goes the, uh, the elf was sent from north the North Pole to watch over children. At night, the elf would return to Santa to tell him about the children's behavior and return home to take up a new position in the house. A possessed elf doll on Christmas. <laughs> it is pretty creepy. Um, you know, I, I used to work for Macy's. And one of their big products, of course, is the Elf on the Shelf. And so, mind you, when I worked at Macy's, I'd be there at about 5.30, 6 a.m., you know, somewhere around there. Uh, and there's nobody in the store. But I would have to go and mark everything down or up or whatever for pricing. And I'd always have to – I always had to mark the darn Elf on the Shelf. And there were, like, hundreds of Elves on the Shelves that I had to open up and look at, and they're just staring back at me. <laughs> Creepy, guys. That's, I would have been like, no, you do it. <laughs> it's interesting. I almost thought about buying one of these ones. Just like, this could be kind of fun. Just hang it on the shelf. The cat would probably eat it eventually. But hey, you know, uh, but nonetheless, you know what's interesting to me about these elves, these, these little helpers? And correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, but I think you'll agree with me. Um, and probably a lot of you out there too. Isn't it kind of weird that these little, Christmas guys who are and girls, you know, are running around helping Santa making toys for all the good little girls and boys. Uh, once upon a time, stood side by side with Norse gods and took the blame for things such as illness in medieval Europe. And now all of a sudden they said, "Oh, let's correct our wrongs and help this jolly old man and create toys for all the boys and girls." I mean. Isn't it a little weird? And let's let's be honest here. Santa's running a sweatshop with these little guys in there. So now, not only is he a badass, but he's also into slavery. Uh, <laughs> so it would seem. Uh, I'm but, sure he gives them great benefits. <laughs> They've got a great 401k. <laughs> Interesting enough, though, to tie in the last part of this episode, um, the reindeers actually when you talked about uh the individual with the goats mm-hmm. yep. um that actually links back to nordic lore because thor the god of thunder rode through the sky uh in a chariot by uh, pulled by two magical goats okay and that's how they kind of link the reindeer lore to Santa Claus. It doesn't exactly say why we adopted that particular thing other than like we've, I said earlier, bringing pagan, uh, people to Christianity. They were trying to bring everybody to Christianity with it. Um, but again, one other publication that, uh, went through this, it was a, gentleman by the name of William Gilly, who published a 16-page booklet titled A New Year's Present to the Little Ones from 5 to 12, Number 3, The Children's Friend. And it talks about Santa Claus, old uh, Santa Claus with much delight. His reindeer drives this frosty night over chimneys and tracks of snow to bring his yearly gifts to you. Um, obviously, I don't think that took up all 16 pages, but... It was part of that publication. And then again, during an uh, 1822 interview on 
the New York's Troy Sentinel. Editor Orville L. Hawley questioned Mr. Gilly regarding the booklet's author and the topic of reindeer. Though he did not identify the author, Mr. Gilly responded, Dear sir, the idea of Santa Claus was not mine, nor was the idea of reindeer. The author of the tale but submitted the piece with little added information. However, it should not should be noted that he did mention the reindeer in a subsequent correspondence. He stated that far in the north near the Arctic lands, a series of animals exist. These hooven and antlered animals resemble the reindeer and are feared and honored by those around. As you see, he claims to have heard they could fly from his mother, his mother being an Indian of the area. So after that, again, in 1823, the Troisano published the poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, commonly known as Twas the Night Before Christmas. Um, though originally called Dunder and Blixem in 1823, um, the, the reindeer's names, mm-hmm. Santa's seventh and eighth reindeer are commonly known as Donner and Blitzen today. Dunder right. and Blixem are Dutch words that translate to thunder and lightning. Some 19th and 20th century publications of the poem substitute the names Donder and Blitzen, which mm-hmm. are German for thunder and lightning. And in other articles during the 20th century, Donner replaced the name Donder. And my guess would be is most people were pronouncing it Donner and not Donder. It almost most not coming right. out know- as Donder. <clears throat> right. And it's interesting that they, that the meaning behind those two names are thunder and lightning as they are actually one of the, or two of the most famous reindeer of the eight. Uh, and of course I think they're all very popular, but some are more popular than the others when you look at stories and when you look at, uh, movies and stuff like Blitzen, for example, I've seen in several Christmas movies, you know, where Blitzen shows up all alone, you know, can't find his home, blah, blah, blah. There uh, I think it, wasn't there a movie called Blitzen, or was there it was Donner? Yes. No, no, no. There was a movie called Blitzen. Blitzen. Okay. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, that's the movie where he sh- gets lost in the sleigh, and a kid finds him yeah. and takes him out in his pet, and you know. Um, but I, right, this is this is maybe this is a little weird for a 31 year old man to be thinking. But I was at work today, and the only thing that I was thinking for most of the day was. Which of the eight reindeer are the most famous? <laughs> and so in my head, over and over, I kept thinking Dasher and Dancer and Pratzer and Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner and Blitzen. And I was like, okay, so Dasher I've heard a number of times. Dancer, I don't actually hear about Dancer all that often. Prancer, he's kind there's of actually common. Only six. Because what? Rudolph, there's only six because Rudolph became number seven. No, no, there's eight. And Rudolph became number nine. Oh, never mind. I misread that. It's, it's, it's okay. You don't, it's a, you know, not everybody has the reindeer knowledge that I have. So I'll let you pass on this one. The Christian has the reindeer knowledge. Hey, I love animals. So you need to know the eight reindeer and the ninth who came in the 20th century. But nonetheless, so, you know, I was trying to think of all day. I spent my day thinking of who were the most famous reindeer. And honestly, you know, it really comes down to Blitzen and was it Blitzen and Donner. And then also I think Dasher and Comet are the four most famous when it comes down to the eight before of course our friend rudolph decided to come up and show them all up uh now rudolph uh, let's talk a little bit about rudolph here because rudolph actually isn't associated with many of the stories he's not associated with many of the pictures that we see for santa claus and for christmas uh but he came around in the 20th century um and you know rudolph being the most Famous reindeer of all was born actually just over a hundred years after his eight flying reindeer counterparts. Um, the red nose wonder was the creation of Robert L. May, a copywriter at the Montgomery Ward department store. Now in 1939, May wrote a Christmas themed story poem to help bring holiday traffic into his store. Using a similar rhyme pattern to Moore's Twas the Night Before Christmas, May told the story of Rudolph a young reindeer who was teased by the other deer because of his large glowing red nose. 
But when Christmas Eve turned foggy, we all know the story. Santa came because he was worried and asked Rudolph to join his sleigh. From there on, all the other reindeer stopped calling him reindeer names. Now, Rudolph's message, which, you know, I never really thought about in the past. Maybe you have, Justin. Uh, but Rudolph's message uh, really gave an opportunity to people with with liabilities or disabilities, you know, showing that even certain things that they have that they may not like or believe or believe in or things that they think hinder them. I think it actually goes more so along with bullying, at least according to, especially with today. All of it. Yeah, absolutely. All of it. I mean, I think there's features about people that they don't like. And for some people, it's their nose. You know, it's a look. For some people, it's the way they talk or the way, you know, whatever, the way they think. And they think, well, this is a liability. This is going to hinder me and my future and stuff like that. And you don't really think about, you know, you think of Rudolph as this kid's thing is no, not really a big deal. But really, when you look at the total theme, the complete theme of Rudolph, he really stands for those people who are struggling with self-image or struggling with certain things, abilities or disabilities that they have that can be turned into abilities. Uh, and of course, it goes into into bullying a little bit, which I don't think helps all that much because what we're seeing here with Rudolph is he became something great and that's when the bullying stopped. Well, you know, so it's a little, you know, it'd be different if the bullying stopped before then, but it doesn't. So that kind of sends a bad message, I think, in my opinion. And of course, if I don't know if you disagree or others may disagree, feel free to, for those of you listening to tune in, uh, chime in on this. The only thing I go, I, I associate with that because he overcame the bullying. And, right. and rose up. Um, I don't think too many people ever really become quote unquote popular, uh, because of the bullying or anything, but, right. um, because he overcame the bullying, that's, that's the only thing I associate with it. All right. I understand that. I got you. Um, but nonetheless, you know, this particular asset proved popular over time. And Montgomery Ward actually sold almost two and a half million copies of the story in 1939. And then when it was reissued in 1946, the book sold over three and a half million copies. Of course, several years later, one of May's friends, Johnny Marks, wrote a short song, which everybody knows by heart, in based on the story. In 1949, it was recorded by Gene Autry and sold over 2 million copies. Since then, the story has been translated into 25 languages and been made into a television movie. I'm sure you've seen it. We've all seen it. And sequels. Uh, (laughs) And sequels narrated by Burl Ives, which, of course, has charmed everybody's Christmas fancy since 1964. I only see bits and parts of the movie anymore, but I always take a time to at least watch a little bit. I never sit and watch the whole thing anymore, but yeah, that's one of the big movies that I used to love watching as a kid. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you know, it's a great movie. Yeah. Well, and, uh, I, I don't know, maybe it's just because of our age, but a, a Christmas story has kind of taken over where Rudolph yes. and, uh, uh, Frosty the Snowman and all that kind of took it has. place. Well, it, Christmas Story has become a tradition for our family because every Christmas Eve, they play the Christmas Story for 24 hours straight. <laughs> Christmas yeah. Eve morning through Christmas Day night. And so every Christmas Eve, we just watch. We, we don't actually sit there and watch, but we'll leave well, it yeah, we'll sitting play, on the TV right? on rerun <laughs> all night long while we're doing other stuff. But we're always catching glimpses of it and, you know, we're, we're, uh, mimicking certain things or saying lines before they're said and stuff like that because we all know the movie by heart but nonetheless it's tradition you know you you turn it on you let it play um well and it was shot in cleveland no less it was shot in cleveland and for those of you who haven't been to cleveland stay away because this is my city (laughs) no i'm kidding i'm totally kidding you guys should come to cleveland and see some of the fancy stuff that we have one in particular is the house that was used in the christmas story you can it's a museum now you can go in see exactly what the house looked like in the movie see you know the fancy if you want to call it fancy <laughs> a leg lamp don't touch it though i don't think you're allowed to uh it's just you know, funny that we we have a museum 
for a movie. It's just hilarious. We do. We do. And that goes to show just how historic <laughs> a Christmas story yeah. is for all people. Um, I don't know how know, we, we got this from reindeers, but we're going to go. I don't know it. either. You know, we had these little rabbit trails. You know, we call it, we'll call these reindeer trails, reindeer this, trails this time for this month. It's called reindeer trails instead of rabbit trails. Uh, after all, we're not following Peter Rabbit. We're following Rudolph this month. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, folks. There you have it. You have Santa Claus. You have elves. You have the eight tiny reindeers. And of course, the plus one who is now the leader of all reindeers. Well, to um, tie it in real quick with Nordic lore. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thunder sorry. and Blixum, thunder and lightning that was also associated with Thor is mm-hmm. probably kind of where that all came from as well with the, the thunder and Blixum. So mm-hmm. it's really interesting that we have all this different lore. We've got uh pagan lore. We've got a witch riding on a broomstick, throwing presents into chimneys for, for kids. And then we roll it into St. Nicholas and eventually the jolly, fat, red suit Santa Claus that we know today. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, Herc is getting hungry yet once again, folks. So we have to wrap this up. So overall, do you feel that Santa Claus embodies something that uh, a lot of people can can cherish for Christmas? Do you think it's something that we we should really be more focusing on the the birth of Jesus Christ? What are your your final thoughts? Here's what I think. I think it's important to really focus on and cherish the birth of Christ because after all, it's because of his birth that we have the ability to find freedom and heaven ultimately uh, and salvation. However, at the same time, Santa really is this, this humanistic version or embodiment of what we should be on a daily basis as well. You know, just as Jesus was and right. is, you know, the embodiment of perfection, uh, we should be, giving our stuff away. We should be giving, you know, toys to kids. We should be helping people on the streets who are homeless. We should be giving things away. We should be happy all the time, like this jolly old man, you know. Uh Sure, we don't have the magic of reindeer. We can't shimmy down chimneys like he can. But that doesn't mean you can't be magic to somebody in somebody else's life, you know. You know even if it's just a dollar. Maybe it's just saying hello to somebody in the morning, uh, you know, when you're walking down the street. Maybe it's just acknowledging – yeah, a smile, acknowledging the homeless person. You know, so many of us look away from the homeless. You know, just acknowledge them. I mean, okay, let's be honest. It can be a little weird at times depending on the person. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, doing these little things, I think Santa can be and should be uh respected as what we ought to be as human beings on a daily basis, not just around Christmas time. Uh But beyond that, yes, I think our focus should be on Christ. Our focus should be... The savior of the world was born on this day. It was because of this day that we now can look to heaven and ask God for forgiveness. Um, but yeah, I think it all has its place. I don't think we should give everything to Santa. Well, you know, right. I don't think we should be worshiping Santa or praying to Santa. I'll admit I used to do that as a kid and I understand why Christians don't like Santa because of that reason. Uh, you know, and, and you know, I, at the time I didn't think of it as praying. I just thought, Oh, he knows all things so he can hear me. Right. And so he embodied, he embodies certain elements of God. It makes sense. Um, but nonetheless, I think we can find a practical reasoning behind yeah. why you know, Santa could and should exist in the modern day, you know, a modern era. So, well, a, a lot of the bait, like we've been saying, a lot of the basis of the Santa Claus lore goes back to pagan worship. So if Santa Claus brings kids into knowing Santa Claus and then eventually knowing Jesus Christ, it, it has that link. So I agree. Um, though, I would disagree. You haven't seen me shimmy down a chimney, so I don't know if you could say that we don't have that ability. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do agree. I, I think that uh, Santa Claus has been used to embody the commercialism of of Christmas, and that is not the, the way to, to think of Christmas. Now, granted, 
Santa Claus as in the the gift of giving as Jesus Christ was to us, I I I think that in in the sense is a good thing. So I do agree. So folks, that is the Santa Elf reindeer episode. Um <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh so uh I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh make sure that uh you get in contact with us. Uh I am running kind of a poll so to speak for our Christmas, New Year's, season three extravaganza. Um, and we'll get into the season three, uh, thing next week. Um, but, uh, I hope that y'all enjoyed it. Make sure that you're checking out Paranormal UK Radio Network, TMV Cafe, Fringe Radio Network. Make sure you te- check out our friends at paranormalforum.net and as always, paratruthradio.com, um, where we have a new t-shirt up. With Eric and I sitting sitting on uh, Krampus's lap, so uh, make sure you check all of that out. Um, and I hope everybody welcomes Eric back for December um, again. The the whole season thing we'll get into next week. But until next week, folks, where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. This is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.